Alright folks, how you doing? Uh, Phil here on a Sunday morning where I am. I don't usually record on the weekends because my house is filled with kids and um, it's normally bedlam behind me so uh, I'll see if I can get through this. I uh, didn't want this to wait until Thursday when I record my United podcast with James from United Muppeteers. I hope you're all enjoying that by the way. Thank you to all of you for all your downloads, retweets and all that and all support on that. Um, that podcast will uh, significantly improve as time goes by. It's, um, you know, we uh, start to refine it and finesse it a bit. So thanks to all of you for downloading that. Um, obviously, I want to give my reaction to primarily what happened yesterday with Brighton. And, uh, you know, I watched the match later on with, um, obviously, as many of you knew, I was having knee surgery yesterday. And uh, I got to watch it the first 20 minutes before I went in. So right before they put me out, I saw the Danny Well back go. And um, the rest of it, when I got home later, didn't surprise me an awful lot. Um, <clears throat> what we saw, pretty much what we've seen um, from United uh, and what we're used to. So basically, every once in a while, United, United have a decent season. In the default setting now for this team is what we've seen. And um, one of the things that uh, surprises me that United fans, not all but many, seem to learn, never learn from is they call for the manager's head. I mean, does anyone really believe United are a good manager away from fixing that? I mean, quite clearly the problems at United are systemic. They transcend a manager, a manager who's come in and tried to bring standards to the football club, tried to bring discipline to a football club that has had no discipline. Ten Hag said that the culture that he inherited United was, was bad. Why, why was it bad? I mean, they've had, what, 10 years to get it right? Um, when you're consistently inheriting bad cultures, the culture isn't set by the manager. The culture is set by the people above the manager. That's set by the owners and that's set by the direction of the people that run the football club, Richard Arnold, AL, who's turned out to be no different than Edward Burt. And that is because you don't get hired by the Glazers unless you personify their values. And you run the football club exactly as they tell you to do so. Um, they're just an extension of an ideology that infests the football club and prohibits it from being successful. And so what you see on the pitch is primarily the default setting. You can come in as a manager and you can vibe your way. You can overcome that for a while. But eventually, you know, all organisms um, are reflective of the environment. And the environment that United is one that does not prioritise sport and success. For the Glazers, they will have had an amazing week. You know, they got a new shirt sponsor. That's all I care about. That is success for them. To you and me, we judge Manchester United by what happens on the pitch. They don't. They judge it by what happens off the pitch. This is, of course, why Richard Arnold is the most uh, is the most well paid. Um, individual in his position in the league. So clearly his compensation has nothing to do with football success or even a football club to be proud of, you know, toggling between one crisis to the next. Um, and I think what I will say in criticism of Ten Hag, one of the things that sort of disappointed me a bit, and I understand for him it's a difficult situation because he doesn't quite know what to say and he can't be too dim and gloom. Um, but you can see that Ten Hag is trying to run a football club in a way that it's never been run before. One, laying down discipline. Players have never had to face discipline for the things that they're doing. You know, United 
place their valuation on a player based on a couple of different metrics. One, what is your commercial appeal? If you have large commercial appeal, you can pretty much do what you want. Manager's never getting rid of you because Joe Glazer isn't going to let that happen. Two, how much does it cost to replace you? If we don't have the money to replace you, you're stuck with them. Players know this. So Ten Hag's like the wicked stepfather coming in trying to lay down rules on kids that have never had discipline and of course they resent him for that. They resented Ranić, they resented Solskjaer, they've come up with excuses for every single manager, right? You know, they didn't like Van Hal. you know, they didn't like uh, Mourinho because he was too nasty, they didn't like Solskjaer because he was too nice, you know, they didn't like Ranić because he was digging him out in public. Now, we don't like Ten Hag. Because he plays favourites. You know, this nonsense. On and on and on and on and on. You know, Cristiano Ronaldo had to leave the football club because of standards. See, when you're a top class player, you don't depend on the football club setting the standards. You don't depend on the manager setting the standards. You bring your own. That's why they're top class players. And if your football club doesn't... Adhere to those standards, you lose those players. So whatever you think about Ronaldo, whether he was a good sender or not, the biggest concern for me was that he was ousted because there was lots of players around him who were uncomfortable with the standards that he was demanding of them. Again, because they've never been, never had those demands put on them. Partly because they're not incentivized for sport and success, nor are the consequences at United uh, commensurate with any other football club who don't accomplish sport and success. You look at Real Madrid, would they get rid of Eden Hazard? If he was in there, he'd be on another four-year contract. Joao Cancelo crossed Pep Guardiola once. What happened to Joao Cancelo? Out. It is entirely appropriate that Ten Hag puts Jadon Sancho outside the first team if he isn't willing to conform to basic um, disciplinary measures. No matter what the cost is to United as a player, you cannot run a successful football club with players doing what they want whenever they want. And nor can you behave, nor can you can you run a successful football club when you have players that aren't willing to take responsibility for their own failures. Now, I did find it surprising that Ten Hag went public on Sancho because once he did, um, you can't put it back in the bag. And things that happen at United all the time that don't, aren't made public. I mean, Zidane Bonskin and Scott McTominay had a big fight on the training pitch last season. wasn't made public. Lots of these things happen all the time. So for Ten Hag to go public, especially a few days after the transfer window, was a big surprise to me. Sancho was dropped for the Spurs game for showing up late to training. So this has been a consistent problem. Um, and I'm sure Ten Hag is fed up with it. And why you're running a football club with the expectation that this is okay, why players think that this is okay to repeatedly do this and then complain about favouritism shows you the mentality of these players, shows you that there's never been any serious structure at Old Trafford where this is completely unacceptable. Mason Greenwood did this repeatedly. You know, there was games Mason Greenwood didn't show up for. I think it was an Everton game he didn't show up for. You know, and so it wasn't suspended. So I can understand sometimes when Sancho says there's been favouritism, but that's partly because of the lack of structure that existed, that still exists at the football club. These are things that no football club should tolerate. If your priority is on-the-field success, these types of things can never be tolerated. When Ferguson left the football club, all his power was usurped, went upstairs to fucking idiots that have no idea what they're doing. 
We had an article a week ago saying United are now making sure that their contracts are based on performance. There's some new age thinking. There's some thinking that if only they'd listened 10 years ago to any idiot in the street, um, they'd avoided the situation that they're in. Uh, Ten Hag is clearly impeded by the incompetence of the past with players on contracts that are quite frankly ridiculous. They shouldn't be anywhere near this football club and it's very difficult to change the culture of a football club when you're stuck with players you can't get rid of. This is what happens at Chelsea too, where a manager is essentially a glorified coach and players know you have no real power, you've soft power, but you really have no power to implement any serious change that makes a material difference in their lives. You can't really get players out. I mean, you can get some out, but it all depends on their appraised value in United, and um, eventually the manager gets a sack. Someone else comes in. Richard Arnold never gets a sack. The people that hired these managers never get the sack. The incompetence that infatuated above the manager is never held to account. So we have this rinse and repeat. So essentially the default setting of the football club now is what we see. Against Brighton, two football clubs, completely different. It couldn't be a greater contrast between the two. One, a football club with a proper footballing structure. It's set up for on-the-field success. Everything in that football club is geared towards making sure they're successful on the pitch. It's a football club that knows they can't be commercially successful without that. United, they, they it's not their priority, and it shows. What did we hear? United have the best in class in their commercial department. You know what they don't have in the commercial department? They don't have an ex-football manager running it. But you know what they do have on the football side? They have an accountant running the football side. You would never get that level of neglect on the business side. You couldn't go to Joe Glazer and say, hey, let Giggsy run the commercial department. Not the fucking chance. No chance. Consequences of failure, they are far, far, far too great. We, don't, we prioritize excellence. The best in class when it comes to raking in cash. But when it comes to anything else on the football side, give any dickhead a go at it. We let an accountant run our football, football club. A guy that has no idea what he's doing repeatedly shows you this. What happened to Chatty Richard, by the way? The guy that went for a beer with the boys. What happened to him? What happened to all those promises that were made from Glazers about communication and we got it wrong and we listened to our fans and all this? Why isn't he being made the answer for this? And now we're told we can't criticise Harry Maguire. Why? Why can we not criticise Harry Maguire? Um, <clears throat> it seems to me that um, you know we're, not, we're hardly in Italian ultra territory here. It seems to me that United fans are being blamed for a lot of the problems that infest the football club. Um, what happened yesterday wasn't a major surprise, was it? Uh, <laughs> I'll tell you something that irritated me about Ten Hag after the game. Was saying, we started the game well, we're unlucky. Listen, Eric, you're not unlucky if you can't put the ball in the back and that, that's a major skill at this level. Um, once again, you showed as soon as you went behind, you can't get back into a game. Um, once again, you know, you're conceding the same goals where there's no pressure on the ball. I mean, take a look at those goals. Brighton, pass through United, no resistance whatsoever. Exactly the same thing that happened with Odegaard when United went 1-0 up against Arsenal. Um, they had equalised before United even touched the ball again. No pressure on the ball, simple passing through lines. 
no consistent pressure. Some players present, some players now. Players walking up front. Players, you know, strolling. Martial, Rashford strolling around. Kind of present, but not really. That body language has been there from day one. From the start of the season, it was there against Wolves, it was there against Forest, it was there against Spurs. Same thing against Spurs. Played well for the first 20 minutes, as soon as they went behind, what happened? They never were never in the game. No response, nothing. And take a look at the body language when you had score. Or they concede a goal. It's the same thing. A couple of players hold their hands in the air and turn away. No leadership. You know, no response. You know, they're not offended of going behind. I'm telling you right now, that team is going to be on the end of some absolutely battering results. Imagine that team away to sitting. So they went behind against Sheffield United and West Ham, they were offended. They went back in the game immediately. United? Okay, well, right. You know, and I think to blame Ten Hag, Ten Hag is probably the least culpable in all of this. The Glazers are in big trouble because they don't have any more gimmicks to get them out of this. When United started bad last season, they sent Casemiro and sent Anthony. And things turned around. What are they going to do now? They have no money. They can't afford to sack Ten Hag. They can't afford to bring another manager and do a rebuild. Can't afford to do anything. Um, so this has to work. And if you're not seriously concerned about what you're seeing on the pitch then we're watching two different games because that is a reflection of what happens off the pitch. That's a reflection of everything that's going on inside the football club. And United have never shown an ability to run United with any degree of excellence. You know, Ferguson was the reason why the Glazers were successful at United in the beginning. And they couldn't wait till he left. This is, of course, why, you know, David Gill and... Um, Edward would hate each other, you know, there's a complete, I, I'm not a lover of David Gill, but I'm on record for a lot of things that he did, which I thought were, you know, a complete betrayal of Manchester United, and part of the reason why we're in this mess, let's have it right, is the betrayal of David Gill, but more so like Ferguson, as difficult as that is to admit, because he was a great football manager, but um, he was a big part of the reason this happened, and uh, I'd like to get his thoughts on it now. Uh, because it couldn't be more obvious that these people are completely unfit to own this football club. And United will never be successful while they're there. Never. Absolutely no chance. Even if City didn't exist, because we talk about these 115 charges, United would still be in exactly the same mess they're in right now. Nobody has done more to prevent United being successful than the Glazers and the people that run this football club. Nobody. So um, let's make sure when we're portioning blame and responsibility for what we're seeing on the pitch, you know, we're portioning the right place. We've, United fans have had to watch Liverpool and City faded out for league titles, European Cups. Liverpool have won a European Cup. City have won a European Cup. Loads of, you know, Liverpool have won the leagues. There was never enough, never enough for United to be embarrassed. You know, losing, you know, 5-0 at home to Liverpool, 7-0 away to Liverpool, just things that have never happened before, right? None of this is ever enough for the people that run this football club to hold their hands up and say, hey, we don't know what we're doing here, let's turn this over to someone else. For the Glazers to turn around and be embarrassed and say, you know what, we have a duty of care to the football club to put it in new hands that can take it in another direction. There is no law that would embarrass these people into behaving a certain way. 
There is no law that to cause these people to act with a degree of morality or conscious conscience. So um, we're going to have to put up with this until they leave. And until they get out of this football club, this will never change. Um, some of the things that were obvious yesterday, I remember Brendan Rodgers saying when United lost the way to Leicester, how easy they were to play through the lines. Well, and then they went and lost the next game 5 0 to Liverpool. It wasn't embarrassing enough that an opposition manager went on TV and said, You were so easy to beat, so easy to play through your midfield. And they went and lost 5 0 to Liverpool, and then they went and lost the next game to City. I think it was 2 0, but it should have been 20. Um, you look at everything that's going on there, the signings. Now, if you look at United signings, Mason Mount played nine games for Chelsea last season. Probably a very good player if he's fit, but it's probably no surprise to anyone at Chelsea that he's not. Rasmus Horland scored the same amount of goals that Julian Alvarez scored for City last season. And he's United's main man. Julian Alvarez is City's backup striker. Right now, Rasmus Horland can't complete a game of football. Andrew Nana, decent keeper, not perfect. Uh, Sergio Regulon, someone that Spurs were so desperate to let go, they'd have taken any deal. Amrabat, decent midfielder, but it wasn't like the world's top clubs were lining up to sign him. Um, I'm missing anyone. You know, so you're looking at that team going, these are not signings you make to catch City. If you want to catch City, you have to outpace them for a couple of years on and off the pitch. You have to outpace them with the players that you send. But you also have to outpace them with the things that are going on off the field. You have to have the best in class in your sports science department. You have to have the best in class in your you know, analytics department, in your training facilities. I'm telling you right now, there are colleges in the U.S. that have better training facilities than Man United. That's a 100% fact. Right? Everything around that whole environment says we aren't serious as a football club. And eventually, like we said, you can go in there like Casemiro does, you know, play well in the beginning because you're attracted by the name and the reputation, but then eventually you adjust to the environment you inherit. People saying Casemiro is showing his age. I would say Casemiro, more than anything, is showing an attitude where he's given up on any hope of being successful at the club. Um, this is going to be a painful year. I would really hope United fans get behind Ten Hag because of all the reasons United are in this mess, he's the least. Let me ask you this. Of the signings United made this summer, how many of them would he have made if he was backed properly in the market? You take a look at City. City, saying Josko Vardial. Oh, what do you pay? 80 million for him? Um, De Bruyne gets injured, they go out and pay 55 million for Matthias Nunez. Um, they go out and say Jeremy Doku. You know, they, 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 they don't do what you need to do. You know, they, ask what he would have sent Sergio Reguilon. Jack Butland on loan. Vout Vekost on loan. Marcel Sibitza on loan. Um, ask what he would, 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 would um, Harry Maguire still be in the squad. Would Johnny Evans have been signed? No chance. Absolutely no chance. Right? Um, you know, if Mason Mount comes to City, he's a squad player. Right? Rasmus Hoyland would be their backup striker. 
Men jeg har haft hobbies, men jeg har ikke købt køb plader eller kæft, I don't know. Uh, we have a right winger that's suspended. Um, we have another one that um, seems to have a problem conforming to the most basic expectation of discipline. He hasn't played well, probably, consistently ever since he came to the club. Uh, we have another one out on loan at Hitafe. Um, both our left backs are injured. And by the way, Martinez hasn't looked anywhere near the player he was last season either. Um, and I'm seriously concerned about what's going to happen when they play Bayern Munich. Because any decent team against that United team, because there's so many things missing, will beat them comfortably. There's so many... There, you imagine playing against Man United when you're a top-class team playing through those lines. You're looking at another Liverpool. I mean, it could be whatever they want. And um, it is a major, major concern. Because I think ultimately... Ten Hag will either pay for this with his job or he'll either walk when he's the least of the problems. And we have this cycle on repeat because everything is a derivative of the ideology of the owners of this football club. Um, it is a, uh, Looking at what we see at United, it is a reflection of where the club is at. And the only positive for me is... United and commercially cannot afford to uh, not finish in the top four. They can't afford to have this continue because the Glazers will, um, they they can't afford to endure these types of, of hits. And like I said in the podcast a week and a half ago, um, United are have been in discussions with Ineos. I know it's not everyone's perfect ownership. Uh, everyone has their different opinions on this, but anyone would be an improvement on this. And uh, sometimes it's difficult for me to retain my professionalism if I even have that when I'm talking about the Glazers because I absolutely despise them with every sinew of my body. I loathe them. I, not just because of what they did to United, but because of the type of human beings that they are. Because they hold themselves to no moral standards. So it's difficult to appeal to their better nature or their morality when they have none. Anyone else that had any empathy for something that beyond, you know, its ability to self-enrich you, would, would cur and, and say, you know what, I, 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 we'll take our five billion and we'll go. We've made enough. I mean, what are they going to, what are they not going to be able to do in their lives that they will be able to do if they squeeze another billion out of United? I mean, what does that prevent them from doing? I mean, these are men, mostly in their 60s, what are they? It is just... The fucking repugnant epitome of greed. Just a, a modern day Jacob Marley. The avatar for for venal, avarice, just despicable human beings. Absolutely despicable. And it is to me a permanent, um, it should be a permanent, uh, uh, um, a memory of, of shame to the Premier League that these types of people own their football clubs and you were sh like this would never happen in the NFL I understand that it's separately but your regulation isn't enough to stop something like this Everton are about to be taken over by triple seven it's going to be probably the same thing but they don't care because they're the same exactly the same same mentality 
these people, these accountants, these bankers, got into football. They sodomized it. And they made sure, they, you look at what the Glazers are trying to do. The Glazers want a competition where there's no reward-based revenue. They want a close competition where if they finish last, they make the same money. Think about what they're trying to do. They're trying to remove any incentive or motivation to be competitive. But of course, they want to make sure that they maximize their returns. I mean, they should have been marched out of Old Trafford that day for doing this, for trying to put Manchester United into a competition where there is no incentive to perform. They, make no mistake about it, they'd be happy to finish last in the Super League every single fucking year, as long as the checks keep coming in, as long as somebody keeps paying them. If you go to, if, if you're, if you work for Joel Glazer, and you have two choices, you can walk into Joel Glazer and you can say, Joel. Envelope number one, we won the treble this year, but we broke even financially. Or envelope number two, we finished mid-table, but we made 200 million. Which one are you giving them? That's their metric of success, is financial. Are Qatar still in the race? <laughs> it's hard to say because um, you'd imagine if Qatar, I'll take some questions, if we were still in the race, why wouldn't it be done already? Um, plus you look at the way United were behaving towards the end of the window they certainly weren't behaving like a football club was about to be sold to someone like Qatar because the money that they were refusing to spend is around an hour to Qatar um, it looked like to me that they were trying to show a profit um, for one of two reasons either so they could pay dividends to themselves or because they were trying to borrow money um, so, you know, I think Jim Ratcliffe was acutely aware that any controlling stake of the Glazers in Manchester United would be um, completely on a theme of United fans. I think he's doing this for a legacy more than vanity. Uh, probably both, but more as legacy. So they can be very careful about that. All right, let me ask, let me take a couple of questions, folks. Um, what do we got here? Did the Glazers sell and buy during the huge stock rise? So they've done this before, the father done this before, done this with Harley, Harley Davidson, where they um, artificially inflated the price of the stock. They bought it, artificially inflated it, sold it, then they were sued. I think they've been, they're a little more careful with this. You know, um, you have to realise, like, uh, just Stephen Slate's speculation sends stock prices through the roof. If you look at, for example, um, when Elon Musk first bought um, Twitter, I can't remember exactly what company it was, but it was a um, company that said that they were going to give away, uh, I can't remember what medication even it was, and they were going to give it away for free or for $15, and it sent their stock price plummeting. Some bad memory than me will be able to remember exactly what that was, but uh, just a couple of tweets is enough to send the stock price fluctuating. So um, I don't think they will have commercially benefited from that. Um, the stock price matters if you're going to stay there. And the stock price matters if you are trying to raise investment. It doesn't matter if you're going to sell to Qatar. And I don't know exactly know what the legal ins and outs are with Jim Ratcliffe buying the football club and what his commitment is to buy the rest of the stock. I uh, just answered that one. I uh, see the likes of Rashford, but Tom and I stand. Yeah, m m m I mean, as much as I love Rashford, and it's fine on the ball, you can't defend as individuals. You may be able to get away with attacking as individuals, but you can't defend as individuals. And I'm s 
watching Marcus Rashford look like a guy that doesn't want to be there. You know, he's exceptional on the ball, there's no doubt. Um, but that's totally different. The instinct to defend is something that has to come from a winning mentality because most players don't want to defend, especially forwards. And the only way you can get forwards to defend is if they're completely committed to the result. When players like forwards, if you put the ball in front of their feet, they're happy to take players on, shoot, score, do all that there. Um, but ask them to do things they don't want to do, like defend, that's when you find out how committed they are. And Rashford for that third goal against uh, Arsenal, half hard attack, I'll completely resent to losing. His attitude against Spurs when he got taken off, completely resent to losing. And of course, we saw it again yesterday, so he does not escape criticism. But again, that's a reflection of what's going on inside. United. Um, yeah, I agree with that. Just answered that. Um, we got Lake Smith at the club. Listen, I've been talking to people and said United for years, and I've never, ever in my life since I've been doing that sensed the anger and resentment towards the owners and the way the football club is being run like you have now. United is impossible. I mean, I, I'm not a, a high level guy, so I'd imagine what the likes of Andy Mitten and stuff are getting. It was unbelievable. I mean, I was told about the whole Jaden Sancho thing on Tuesday, about him being kicked out of the dressing room. I asked United about it and they refused the answer, which is understandable. They didn't want it out there. Um, so if guys like me are getting that information, you can imagine what the top guys are getting, who work this every day of their lives, you know, who are exceptional journalists, who put their heart and soul into this. So you're getting high-level leaks that are devastating to the Glazers. And trust me on this, there's a lot worse that hasn't been made public. A lot worse. Um, and I've seen some of that stuff. And I know it's authentic. And you need to know. And I've seen it. Let me see what else have I got here. Uh, do you think there's a coincidence between the Greenwood situation and the bad attitude in the squad? Look. You need to can't prevent how players behave, all they can do is react to it. But when you're inconsistent in you, how you apply discipline, then you encourage it. And this is why Ten Hag is trying to lay down certain strict disciplinary measures so that you can somewhat discourage this type of behaviour. He takes responsibility, in my opinion, for Anthony because if what the allegations being leveled against Anthony are true, these are things that don't just show up the last 12 months. These are things that are, I'm sure, consistent throughout someone's life. But... All you can really do is prevent, is, is, is react to behaviour. It's very difficult to prevent human beings from doing certain things, but Mason Greenwood, it's not uncommon for young players to be late to train. It's not uncommon for them to have disciplinary issues. I mean, we all remember Ferguson's famous tales of going to parties with Sharp and Giggs. Of course, there was no social media back then. Ryan Giggs was doing some really, really abhorrent stuff when he was a young player that had social media being around. It would, it would have been parsed completely different. Um, there was allegations that that Ryan Giggs was doing exactly what Anthony was doing. Um, so, and of course, a lot of this was during his playing career too. It, it came out afterwards that he was doing it, of course, but a lot of that abusive behaviour was alleged while he was playing. Um, so, this type of stuff is not new. It's all about how you deal with it. And... Um, you know, today with social media, it's impossible to keep a lid on this. I will say this, that United are definitely held to a different standard. I mean, high on earth, uh, Thomas Partey is allowed to play for Arsenal without any any real uh, opposition is, 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 is astonishing to me. Uh, answered that one. Uh, no, sorry, I'm going to go to these other ones. Um, 
Do you think, oh, sorry, I just did that one. Was Jaden Sancho? He certainly was, yes. Last few weeks of the window, he was tapped up by Chelsea. Weirdly enough, started by getting a direct message on his Instagram. Um, <clears throat> so, um, I think he, well, he, he did want to go. You know, I don't know if there was problems uh, predating that. I mean, with Ten Hag, I mean, Ten Hag was really good to him last season for reasons that we don't need to get into on here. But, um, yes, he was definitely tapped up by Chelsea. So, if you needed no, and so do you, how long before the real GC stuff? The problem is with some of the stuff that is being circulated, there's massive legal ramifications. We're sharing digital information that wasn't, you really want to be careful putting that type of stuff out there. So, um, but I would imagine it's just a matter of time before it falls into the wrong hands and people like that have no problems putting it out there. Um, but I'm not putting myself in that type of legal jeopardy. But what I'm saying is that there's people inside United that are leaking some big stuff. Um, so, um, but yeah, there's legal risks involved with that. Well, the first thing you do is you make sure everybody's aware that the most important thing at the football club is winning football games. You know, when everything's a derivative of that. It's not, you know, if you look at how many players sign for United that don't have a social media account, they get one the day they sign. I think Terrell Malassia was the last one, you know, didn't have a social media account, he got one the day he signed. That emphasis, you know, is on branding and commercial monetization has to be secondary to winning football games. There's nothing wrong with doing that, but everything... And every consequence at the football club, if you aren't doing everything possible to win a football game, then you don't stay there. Um, the club will replace you. Once you cultivate that that environment, you're only going to attract players that want to win. The players that don't, the bluffers, they'll go. Right? Players that will turn it on one and three, they'll go somewhere else. They'll go to a Spurs, they'll go to these other clubs that will allow them to do that. But in the Premier League, that's so competitive... Every single thing inside that football club, like I said, you have to invest millions in the sports science department. I mean, you know, sports science department, there's a reason why Boston Schweinsteiger didn't want to get treated at United. Right? There's a reason why loads of players, you know, Pogba, everybody did not want United doctors treating them, right? Didn't trust United as doctors, right? And this goes back even to people like Owen Hargreaves. There's a reason why they didn't want United doctors touching them. Because there was a perception amongst the players that United Sports Science Department was in the dark ages. These are things that show up on the pitch when you can't get optimal performance from your athletes because they're not prepared properly, they pick up lots and lots of non-contact injuries because they're not being analysed properly, analytical data is not being applied properly, all these things that the Glazers look at and say, I don't really want to invest in this because, you know, there's no real return on that investment that I care about. We can still finish the top four with the, us investing, you know, 70, 80 million in these other departments. So I don't really care. You know, players we can buy, we can sell, we can commercialize all out, we can get advertisements for us, so that's not a problem. I don't care about that. Um, you know, any other investment, say the football club, you know, we can monetize commercially. But these types of things are not sexy. That's a commitment to sport and excellent sport and success that they don't have. So those are the things that have to change. And that's why it doesn't matter how good a manager you are. If you don't have those things behind you, you, you have no chance at this level. Um, Tampa Bay's record is 8 above average season, 28. Yeah, and they're in a, a, a league where there's no incentive, you know, where there's reward for being um, 
you know, for for tanking, where you know you get draft picks, everything else. I mean, so uh, Glazers leave. How does this all end? And you're putting it ends like it does now. And I think it was always set up to end like this. I think uh, their father bought that with two directives. One, milk it for every penny you can, and when it gets to the level where it's leveraged to the hilt, sell it for billions and walk out. And that's when you need it on. Uh, the problem is, they created six siblings with identical men mentality that are all infighting, which is exactly what you get over, with, with greed. I mean, their fathers sued their own family over an inheritance until there was nothing left. So, um, there's other, the rest of the family didn't get anything. This is a guy that was taken to court by trailer park owners, you know, people at the very lowest end of, of, of the income spectrum, where he tried to overcharge them for having the audacity to, to have children, to have progeny, um, overcharge them for dog hole. This is illegal, of course, and he was sued. This is a, this is an individual that um, you know if it's in the if it's in the dog, it's in the puppy. You know, this is an individual that throughout their entire life have repeatedly showed that they do not care about anything in regards to humanity. Or, or these are people that couldn't show up for the Munich Memorial, but charged native for private jets to be a success they had nothing to do with at the Women's Cup Final, at the Men's Cup Final. I mean, how morally depraved do you have to be? So um, this, I think it ends as it does right now, because what's the incentive for them to hold on to United if it's not paying them? What do you think Ten Hag needs to do now? I I think that the United have to really not worry about sacking Ten Hag, but worry about Ten Hag walking. Because if he loses the belief that he can be successful, especially if you see with Thomas Tuchel, Thomas Tuchel's not in a great position at Bayern. If Thomas Tuchel is on shaky ground at Bayern, I can easily see Bayern coming and getting Ten Hag. I've always believed that. If you look at um, Bayern's signings over the summer, they're very Ten Hag signings. You know, Bayern does business in a way United can't. I mean, they go out and get Hurricane. You know, they go out and get top players. Even Bayern's rivals. You know, they go out and get Jude Bellingham. United can't get Jude Bellingham. You know, they got Erling Holland. United couldn't get Erling Holland. You know, just you know, repeated uh, incompetence. Um, so I think if um, United, uh, be, I'd be very concerned um, about what happens there at Bayern. Uh, the chance that fifth might rescue the Glazers makes me sick. Yeah, well, uh, that United team might finish in fifth, mate. No chance. Right? That United team right now will get beaten by any half-decent team. Because um, I, uh, the problem is when they start doing a Ranyuk this early in the season, very, very concerned. So I could eat, that United team will be lucky to qualify for the Europa League. And there's no abatement in sight because they can't go out in January and bring a couple of really good players in. I mean, they couldn't even loan players past January with a commitment, with you know looking for break clauses in the regular on deal, the number about deal. What? What type of commitment does that say to a player? We want to, but you know we might want to kick you out in six months. I mean, why would anyone do that? Why would you uproot your family from Italy to Manchester for a potential six-month contract? It's absurd. It's totally absurd. You either want me or you don't. Um. So. Um, I don't see how that United team finishes in even the Europa League. I mean, I remember after Brantford last season wondering where United's next three points were coming from. And if you looked at their form prior to Brantford, by the way, from Ranić on, it was relegation form. Ten Hag rescued them after that Liverpool result when they went on a run. But that was partly because they brought in Casemiro 
And they brought in Anthony. Now what are they going to do? I don't know. Is there a chance we get in trouble financially with a billion that always? I mean, United are, you know, of course they've got money from this Adidas deal. They've got money from, they'll get money from Snapdragon, which kicks in next season. But, you know, the problem is when people have a misunderstanding, when you go to the stock market and you ask for money and you get investment from, uh, from the stock market, you can't just take out what you want. So people are on the impression that players just spent loads. Look, you have a legal obligation to invest in the business. And the alternative was not taking that money out and, and treasuring it. You know, once you take money from the stock market, you are partially a publicly held company. You have financial commitments to your shareholders. You can't just go and take a hundred million and put it in your back pocket. You can sell stock and do that. But you can't take the club's money. So there was an obligation for them to invest um, that money. But neither at a point where, you know, for a significant period, United were losing, it would have averaged at 104 million a year, which is completely unsustainable, you know. So it's, um, <clears throat> and of course, when you're doing that, they can't take dividends out. So now you have the other four siblings that have wanted to sell for years. You know, United tried to get Sixth Street involved in 2020 to help buy out the four siblings and they didn't want to do it because it wasn't a sound investment um i mean they have had offers to sell the club for years but not serious i really don't see any way they can get out of this mess by not doing anything um i mean United have been running on fumes really since that anthony and casemiro day i mean you look at what they did last january they were the only club to qualify for europe that didn't spend that was unsustainable. They should have went out this summer, and I mean, they could have, if the Glazers had have invested a hundred million in Sage United of their own money, they would be able to spend that and easily mitigate FFP. Kieran Maguire pointed this out, of course, with his excellent accountant. So the whole FFP excuse, to me, is is it's either lazy journalism or deliberate deliberately misleading because unless you put the caveat in that. This is a this is an impediment because the owners won't invest in their football club. Um, you're not you're not telling the whole story, you know. So, yeah, they could have easily went out and heavily strengthened in positions they badly needed to instead of scraping around looking for Sergio Regulon. Well, we get sold. I mean, <clears throat> I would say that looking at United's books, the only thing they can't do is do nothing, and the potential for investment, meaningful investment. It's hard for me to see because it's like me putting a house on the market for that's worth 500 grand and then say to an investment company, give me a million and a half, I'll retain ownership, we'll do the place up, we'll, we'll, we'll co-own it. Like, what would I do that for? I can buy the club and buy the house. You know, you'd have to be an idiot. And these investment companies aren't football fans. You know, uh, you look at the landscape over the next few years, you know, where's that major monetization coming from? I think one of the things that will change is that you're going to see competitive fixtures being played away from the Premier League, England. Now, Scudamore tried to implement this. So, um, and if there's a key, there's a court case going on right now between relevant sports, who are the company with the brainchild behind the Super League, <clears throat> and who um, are the company that brings all these Premier League clubs over here every summer. It's an antitrust lawsuit <clears throat> with the USSF who won't um who won't commission 
games in this country competitive fixtures um, because they say it's competitive against the MLS well they're being sued over that because obviously that's something that they see on the near horizon so I'd imagine they see a cash injection there so United Liverpool games that should be at Old Trafford will be in New York tradition they don't give a fuck about you. They don't care about anything. That, listen, these people would... If, if Fox Studios rocked up to the Glazers right now and said, let's make a movie about Munich and you'll make 100 million, they'd do it in a heartbeat. 100%. Would they care that they're profiting off the deaths of the biggest thing that ever happened at the football club? Not in the slightest. Not in the slightest. They'd make some pathetic, rudimentary donation... The million and treasure the rest. These people have no morals. The only guiding principle they have is self enrichment. Let me see. No one would you know no money there. How long can this come? Well, that's a really good question. Um, that's going to depend on a couple of different factors. It's going to depend on how long United fans tolerated for him. It's going to depend on how long United players tolerated for him. And it's going to depend on how long United staff tolerated for him. So, um, I would say that um, you know, sponsors care. They certainly care about um, the attitude of supporters. I mean, that's what they're buying. They're buying, fan, they're buying fan equity. So if you've got pissed off supporters constantly at your owners and your brand and your club, you can't leverage your brand. You know, the association becomes toxic. So in that sense, <clears throat> you know, it says works against them. Plus the availability of sponsors. One of the biggest differences between today and 2010 and whenever the green and gold was happening was sponsors weren't that easily accessible. Now they are with the, with the internet. And, um, you know, when you look at Snapdragon, you look at the you know, two previous shirt sponsors. The guy that did the Chevy deal was sacked within 48 hours of doing it. And TeamViewer, you know, once they had a financial review, were told to end this madness nine. The, the, the uh, uh, United Commercial Department are, are overselling something. So, um, it, it, and then of course, you know, you look at all the other things, it, it, I would say that um, the one thing they can't do is do nothing. Uh, what else we got? Glazers drag on the seal process, no one they can keep up. I, you know, like I said, I just can't answer that. So that's going to depend on how United recover this season, you know, if Ten Hag walks, all those other variables, because they cannot afford for any of that to happen. Uh, do you think leaks are asked? Oh, 100%. And I spoke to people and said United that, um, you know, they're well, they, they, they're well aware of how you and I feel, of how fans feel, they're well aware of what type of people they work for, but they're, it's hard to make someone understand something when their paycheck depends on them not understanding. But that sense the massive change. When United are not dealing with issues that transcend football, like sexual assault and rape and all that, there, I mean, you can have your own views on 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 um, you know inculpability and all that, there, and that's up to you. But you've got people in there that have personal experience with that. That these are issues that transcend football. It's one thing when you're criticizing the football club for not buying the right players or not getting the right right results, but whenever your leadership is completely absent on issues like this, then people start to, you know, 
people start to get really pissed off. Plus, you know, these are people that have been working inside the club for, I don't know, nine months now, uncertain about their jobs, their futures, you know, that nothing's been normal. You know, they aren't getting pay raises the way they are, department reviews the way they would normally get. So, you know, this is the showing massive disrespect to them. So, yeah, so it's not difficult to get information out if you need it today. Um, yeah, and, and just on that, by the way, you know, the top level leaks about how United handled Mason Greenwood, that wasn't given to Adam Crafton by some low level individual. Um, when you're getting leaks on that level, which are embarrassing to Richard Arnold, who's relatively popular inside the football club, um, then that is a massive tide shift. Uh, if you compare sponsorship data to them, very little difference. Yeah, I know, you know even just for inflation. But, um, you know, uh, it's amazing to me there's still people out there that will pay for it. Do you think that, yeah? Um, second managers, and of course, hundred percent. This is you know total waste of time, and this is not the result of the. In fact, the manager is probably one of the only reasons why this is not much worse. Do you think we can turn around the pitch? Um, I, I really don't know because he needed have been abysmal in all five games. I mean, abysmal. I mean, they should have lost the Wolves game. They could have easily lost the Forest game. We could easily be sitting here talking about zero wins in five games. Easily. I mean... <laughs> I want to believe, but, but, but were. You know? I mean, none of those players look half interested. I mean, I just said Casemiro. People saying Casemiro is not the player he was. No, no, Sandro Martinez looks a shadow of the player he was last season. And that, to me, is reflective of an attitude, not ability. Which is reflective of what's going on inside the football club. Um, on the man, mate, yes, thank you. Um, so, uh, <clears throat> I'm actually a bit knackered because of the, the drugs. <laughs> um, come at rest, does Ten Hag's position at the club come at rest? Well, inevitably, yes, because you never want to blame it on someone other than themselves. But, you know, Ten Hag, they need to worry more about Ten Hag walking than anything else, in my opinion. Yes. Um, we could have also won fat mate. We could have won five out of five. I mean, the, sure, if the rules were different. I mean, they didn't look like winning against Spurs, right? I mean, you can't play well for 30 minutes and say they deserve to win the game. Um, they didn't. They should have been battered against Wolves. You know, Arsenal, Fulham had just went there and drew two each before you had played there. And... Um, you know, Garnacho, was he offside or offside? I don't know. It was close. But the fact is, they conceded two goals in the last eight minutes. And were you shocked? Because I wasn't. I sat there. In fact, I wasn't even at the jack. I just went, I knew it was going to happen. Right? I mean, you watch, you can't defend. They should have conceded right before that with Saka. Maguire switching off. You know, you'd end the, end the, end the game against Arsenal with Maguire and Evans at centre-back. Come on. Right? Um, <clears throat> and uh, they were, I mean well beaten against Brighton. It should have been more, right? I mean, the Zerbi makes adjustment after 20 minutes and you know, we're never in the game again. I mean, it easily could have been worse. And I'm sorry, but Brighton, Forest, Wolves are not exactly the most difficult fixtures. Imagine it's Liverpool or City or someone like that. Things down now. Do you think is most realistic outcome regarding the sale? I, I I would say the most realistic outcome is that they'll, they'll do a deal with any of us. Um, 
And I think there'll be a, a stage buyout of them. I think Ineos will make sure they don't have any uh, major influence on the board um, because they know that will be on a theme with United fans. And I think they'll be bought out over a couple of years. The Glazers are getting paid no matter what. Whether they sell now or whether they sell over the next three years, I, I mean, I, it's not ideal. I'd want them out completely, but if you know, they're phased out over three years, I'd take it because anything's better than this. Yeah, I know, and I accept that, that he's been injured, but to me it's not about his ability, it's about reflection of the attitude of the whole team, really, that just does not look right, that looks like there's serious crisis going on behind the scenes that affects how they take the field. I mean, it's, um, I, mean I can only say what I see. Casemiro and Tommy have no legs in midfield. We would think about this, right? I mean, Tommy certainly has legs. Casemiro is still a world-class footballer, Ericsson is still very, very creative. Um, but, you know, to me, it's not even about the legs. It's just, it, it's it's about the fact that United just, they don't press properly. I mean, Ten Hag said this. Was it, what, what game was it? I think it was Spurs game. He said, the problem starts at the front with them not pressing properly. Well, it's obvious. Take a look at what they did uh, against Brighton. You know, I mean, Rashford barely breaking out of stride, the press. Martial... I mean, I'm sorry, very few players infuriate me more. I can't even remember the last time I broke into a sprint. Um, it, it's, but it's not just him, you know. I mean, say what you want about Garnacho, he comes on and gives you 100%. We should have been playing at the weekend. Palestri should have been playing at the weekend, right? Because um, at least they, they tried. Martial and Rashford, jog. You know, um, Rashford's brilliant on the ball. You know, he's the best player. But you can't defend like that. It's too easy, you know, to play through. See him, Arsenal, played right through them. You know, Spurs played right through them. Simple. What else have we got? Right, a few more of these lights and then I'm going to run. Uh, thank you, Mac. Same to you, mate. I'm tired of seeing movement. Exactly, it's the same thing. You know, it's because of you build a house on sand. As soon as it burns away, it's going to fall apart. Look good in the process until it actually takes stress test, and it comes down. There's no foundation to build anything meaningful. And when you want to win a league over 38 games, every single aspect of your business football club gets tested, and the small details will show up. You can win a cup. Because you can get lucky with draws and you're not tested in the same way, which is exactly what you need to have been doing. But anything that requires consistency, you're going to get found out. Ten Hag, yeah, it's not tactics, man. You're going to do that. What did you make of Ten Hag overcomplicated? I don't think he he overcomplicated. I just think that I don't care what tactics you're playing. I don't care if you if your team takes the pitch without the intangibles. The commitment to win, the desire to win, the belief, the leadership, all those things, tactics mean nothing. Absolutely nothing. Right? You know, and, and United don't have any of that. Now, you, maybe you can blame Ten Hag for that, I don't know. But before we get down to the menu details of tactics, you know, when I what I see in the United team is they are so brittle that as soon as they go a goal down, they're, they're done. I know they come back against Forrest. But it's Forrest at home. But anyone else that has the ability to control a game, they have no ability to overcome that. It's predictable shit. Knock the ball down the channels and hope that 
someone gets on the end of it, when you've decent right backs, left backs, and know how to how to defend that, you're not getting back into a game that way. You know, they ended up scoring a goal against uh, Brighton from 25 yards, you know, because this is the only way they're scoring. Like there's, you know, they're, they're woeful at set pieces. Like, woeful at set pieces. Whether they're attacking or defending, doesn't matter. They lost to Brighton last season off a set piece with Luke Shaw handling the ball in the 85th minute, and only he knows why. Um, <clears throat> they didn't score a goal from open play against Brighton last season. Um, that's the first goal they scored against Brighton from open play. I mean, uh, the goal they scored against Brighton at Old Trafford last season was an OG. Um, didn't score against them in the cup semi-final. Didn't score against them away. And the only goal they have scored is a 25-yarder from a kid. Um, can't cut them open, can't, can't do anything. Um, and they, they really didn't look like scoring after going behind. I mean, there was... A, a complete resignation watching that game for me once they went 1-0 down that they'll lose it it was just a question of how much and it's a good thing that you know Brighton were missing six players just like Stuart Mignon Evan Ferguson and Seesaw a bunch of other players I mean they're they would have been miles ahead of United I and mean, they're getting destroyed Brighton a lot yeah it's, it's just what I said unbelievable yeah but you know Haaland you have to protect him he hasn't played 90 minutes in how long I think he did. I don't even play for any months for Denmark because imagine Hoyland getting injured. I mean, what are you left with? Yeah, man. Honestly, this is one of the first times I've watched United where they're losing, and I'm kind of doing other things in the background, going, "Well, of course they're losing. This is what they do," you know. And and I see that in the players. Why should I care more than the players? Right? Because I see them. It's like, bring my aids and get me out of here. Anyway. Yeah, mentality, mentality. But see, that, that, that comes from the top. That comes from how you incentivize people. It comes from the, how you hold them accountable. And it comes from the environment that you set. If none of those things are right, then this is what you'll get. And when you have absentee owners and you have an accountant on the football club who does not know what he's doing, right, has no idea how to, uh, between a good manager and a bad manager, or what you, and what the fuck does Richard Arnold know? He knows nothing. I guarantee you, everyone watching this knows more about football than Richard Arnold. When you have Ziki Bagura staying running Man City, who, you know, played professional football, played for Barcelona, you know, ran Barcelona, there's, this is the difference. But these are people that hold themselves accountable for sport and excellence. There is no, you know, Richard Arnold holds himself accountable for financial excellence. That's it. He doesn't care about anything else. And he's not judged on anything else. You know, so for him, he's doing exactly the job he's being asked to do. There is nobody inside United in an executive level that's held to a standard of sport and excellence. Nobody. So you don't get it. All right, folks. Uh, the podcast will be back on Thursday. And, uh... Oh, sorry. Should should nobody uh, just just on that topic? What, what do we have to be born a halfway in Old Trafford to support them, or is it is five miles outside of Old Trafford okay? Ten miles. What's your cutoff point? What's the vicinity? Is it fifteen miles? You know, did did uh, Lou McCarry shag your mass, or you're you're like uh, an Uber United fan? You know, what were you born? You know, well maybe maybe it was um I don't know uh one of the maybe it was um. Someone shagged your ma. I was like, I can't I shag your ma. You know, come over. So you're like an Uber red, you know? Or you like, 
you know, born on a, 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 in a penalty box, you know, at Old Trafford, you know, what, what's it for that? And by the way, does that count for the players too? None of the players are allowed to play for Man United either because, like, they're not born inside Old Trafford. Um, I mean, what absolute bollocks. Absolute and utter bollocks. Fucking weirdos. <clears throat> Alright, thanks to all of you um, for downloading the podcast and for listening. Um, I hope... Um, a little xenophobic friend here, you know, who um, clearly has a bit of an issue with anyone. I'm sure he was like, uh, I'm sure he was born um, right outside Old Trafford. But uh, would love to know what his cutoff is on the map. Who was it actually even said that? No one likes this. We don't care. I want to support a team from your own country. I'm sure. Why, why don't you go and watch a fucking podcast from someone from your own country, you dickhead? All right, I'll catch you later, folks. Thank you very much.